Well, if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to uh, land in verses 12 through 26 again. Uh, this is our text for this series uh, that we began last week called Anatomically Correct. And uh, for those of you who are new with us and maybe didn't get to hear last week's message, I do want to encourage you, get onto our website, get onto our app, you can download the app and, uh, and get the podcast from last week. It's an important setup for this, uh, for this series. And, uh, and I will say this, uh, with our seating arrangements, uh, Pastor Seth and some of the guys, they came in here and they literally rearranged all of our seating. And, uh, and so I know how many seats we can get in here, and so it's, it's all your fault for coming to 11. Um, <laughs> So, uh, like I say all the time, there is still room at the 9 and the 5, and so if this is too comfy for you, um, you can go to one of those services. If not, we will be seating people on your laps next week, and um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Some of you are like, uh-uh, uh-uh, not coming to church, uh, but, uh, but we're glad that you're here. We're going to be working on uh, more seating, and we're trying to get as much in here as possible. Uh, there's still no news on our North community. Um, we're working through a lot of different things, and there are a lot of different things in the, in, in the works right now. I know I keep on saying that, but, but real estate's nutty. So um, anyways, we're working on a lot of stuff to get things figured out. So just hang with us, lean in, but I think a party's a party, right? So more the merrier, that's what I believe around here. So anyways, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26 says this. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts. This is what I want us to hear. God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Verse 19, if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that are considered less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So today as we continue on in our series, Anatomically Correct, I want to speak to you from the subject connective tissue. Connective tissue, as we deal with what it looks like to be a connected body. Would you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we love you. We worship you. God, I thank you for this amazing church, the body, that you are building and you are putting together in our midst. God, I thank you for everyone who is going to gather across all of our services this weekend God, I pray that as we dig into your word today, that you would teach us something, that you would highlight something that maybe we've never heard before, that you would anchor truth in our hearts, and that because of that truth, we would be set free. God, and in our freedom, I pray that we would be the type of people that would declare that freedom to the world around us. God, that we would be the type of people, that we would be the type of church, we'd be the type of body that seeks to help our world, that seeks to love one another and those around us. God, then it puts you at the center of all things. So we love you, we worship you, we praise you for what it is that you're doing in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. Um, I love to camp. Come on, show a hand. Any campers in the house today? 
Yeah, most of you guys. Our 5 p.m. will be full of them because they don't go to church until 5 because they're camping. So we, we pray for them. Um, I love to camp. My kids love to camp. Um, but I remember back in the day, the, the camping that we used to do, my brother and I, my dad would take us when we were stationed. Uh, he was in the Navy, so we got stationed. His last station was in uh, Bremerton, Washington. And so he would come, he would pick us up, and we'd go camping in some just amazing camp, camping sites and places. And, and I remember some of those days. And when you camp with Navy guys, come on, somebody, it gets real, right? There, some stuff goes down. Um, Stuff that I probably don't even want to mention in church, and so I won't. And uh, but I love those camping days. Some of my fondest memories memories with my dad and with my brother uh, camping in those in those woods. But one thing that I believe is essential to camping is climbing trees. I think it's a necessity to climb trees. I think every young man should climb a tree at least once in his life, okay? And uh, I think it's a rite of passage for people, okay? And so this particular weekend, as we were camping, I decided to climb a tree, but not just a tree but those big, massive pine trees that you see in the great Northwest. And I decided to get up as high as I possibly could because, well, I am man and I rule, right? And so, actually, I was a young man at that time, but all the same. And so I climb up this tree, and I don't know if you've ever climbed a tree before, but there's this distinct moment in the middle of your, cl- uh, your tree climbing process where you realize I've gone too high. Come on, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're climbing in the beginning, it's fine, and you're going like, all right, this is awesome. And then as a kid, I remember getting to that place where uh, my arrogance was overruled by the truth of my height, <laughs> right? And I looked down and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. So here I am clinging to this tree just below the canopy of this tree, and I'm thinking to myself as a young man, how am I going to get down this tree? There's not anybody really around except the rest of the kids that were with me. And then I had a brilliant thought. I thought to myself, well, firemen get down poles. And the tree is just a large round pole, let's just be honest. And so I decided to negotiate in this moment a maneuver that would change the course of my camping moment. I would grip onto the tree and I would begin the descent down with legs around the tree, arms around the tree, sliding down the tree. And I'm ripping up my chest and my legs and all of a sudden there was this branch that was sticking out about that long that had been broken. And that branch decides to hug the inside of my leg and then start to tear as much as it could. I still have the scars to this day. It looks like a bear attacked me. So I tell my children that. And so... So I want to be a cool dad. I want to be a cool dad. <laughs> what happened to your leg, dad? It's a bear. It's a bear. <laughs> that was the day that I learned the lesson in connective tissue. Maybe you've been injured before. You've been cut. You've had some sort of injury take place to your body, and you realize the importance of skin and connective tissue. And it was that day, as my leg was ripped open and bleeding, bleeding profusely, I realized your body doesn't like that. Because there's some connective tissue that's there to make sure that your body stays in one piece, right? That it stays healthy, that it stays secure. And this is what Paul is presenting to us right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's presenting to us the the truth of connectedness, right? Paul asserts this idea as he describes the arrangement of the body according to God's plan and purpose. This arrangement being that of purposeful interconnectedness. Purposeful interconnectedness. Now, I had Dana. She's one of our resident nursing students sitting right here in the third row. So I texted Dana, and I said, please help me sound smart. And uh, 
So I said, I need you to help me with this illustration and, and, and dive in deeper because I believe what's true for the natural body, I think is true for the spiritual one as well that we're reading about right here. So Dana shoots me this, uh, this big, long, massive text, and I'm just going to quote her because she sounds amazingly genius right here, but there's so much truth, in it, and it correlates with what Paul was saying. This is what she said, all right? And, she, and, and I quote, connectedness is perfectly explained by each of the tissues and layers of the skin. All of them have unique roles in order to accomplish the task of homeostasis for the body, which means a stable state of equilibrium, and especially with tissues that are responsible for keeping the body warm, a safe environment for continued growth of the body as a whole, and if it was not at a stable atmosphere, that is where problems do arise. And therefore, she says, I think this could correlate to your point. Cancer then, and I ask, well, what's something that messes with that? She says then this, cancer is the biggest thing that makes me think of bad cell growth or disruption in the connectedness. Essentially, cancer is the rapid growth of immature cells. Cells go through stages of division and cancer interrupts these stages too soon, which causes clusters of these immature cells throughout the body, i.e. a tumor, uncontrolled growth. This causes a disturbance in all the body if found in the bone or white blood cells um, in the blood cell stream, leukemia. This alters the function of every organ dependent on stages, of course. But for the sake of preaching and not diving too much into science, this should be good. That's what she said. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, Dana. That's awesome. So one of the greatest issues that we face as a body is the lack of interconnectedness required to produce a state of equilibrium, or better put, community. Community. Common unity. And when the natural body is working the way that it should be in its homeostasis, then it's in community. Thank you. That was a perfect point. <laughs> it's in community. Likewise, when the church is operating the way that it should, the body, it is in community. Interconnectedness. The greatest degree of health that we will ever find ourselves in is in a state of community. And the problem that we face is that community has become such a pop culture term that there are now a lot of things that are attached to the term that cause it to lose its original power and intent. We have a community for everything, right? We have like a blogging community, a Pinterest community, Yelp community, right? We've got CrossFit communities, gym communities. We've got like people who love Chihuahua communities. Like we have all kinds of communities, but the, the church, the body, the way that God has designed it is to be this thing that is interconnected and in community. And for those of us, maybe you've been here, this is your first time today, and you're like, I don't like these terms community, because it means closeness, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does. And we're weird with closeness, aren't we? It's really hard. That's why in movie theaters we do everything in our power to make sure people can't sit in front of us or to our sides. If you're like me, I put my feet up on the seat in front of me, and I was like, thou shalt not pass, right? Like, <laughs> because at the end of the day, we have to understand this truth. We are designed for community, but we have a tendency to rage against it. I'm going to point out why in a minute. There's a lot of reasons why we rage against community. But I want to call us to a place of community. As our church continues to grow the way that it is, we more so than ever have to maintain homeostasis. Yeah community. 
We have to maintain interconnectedness. It is of the utmost importance. And so when one person hurts, we all hurt. When one person succeeds, we all succeed. I'm hurting for people today as a pastor and as a part of this community. I want you to know I'm not pastoring here because I lord over this community or lead this community. Ah, this is my community. My kids are in this kids' ministry. They are being raised up by different leaders and different people. This is my community. I come here to hurt. I come here to cry. I come here to love. I come here to find grace. I come here. Why? Because this is my community. This is my fam. And that's what the church should be. And so many of us, we... One of the reasons that we have a tendency not to want to see the church grow is because we, we think that it will break down community. No. We just have to figure out how to make sure we continue to do community with each other. And so I want to deal with some things that we need to understand, some truths that we need to understand about community. So I need you to help me out this morning. Come over, shout number one. The first one is this. Community is not seen in same. It is celebrated in diversity. Community is not seen in same. It is celebrated in in diversity. Verse 15 in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says this, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. Paul uses comparison as an illustration for diversity. He addresses this issue by dealing with what one is and what one is not. True, biblical, Jesus-centered, and lasting community is forged in and through diversity. We have not been designed to be a body that looks the same, feels the same, acts the same, comes from the same background. We are all brought together in and through Jesus, the great unifier, and under his name we find the connection point necessary to bring us all together. We need community, and community is only made in diversity. It's only made in diversity. True community is only found where things are different. But we like same, don't we? <laughs> and I think that's where our struggle is. You know what's interesting is I'll have many conversations with people around here representing different age groups, for instance. So I'll talk to what I will call the seasoned among us today. This will be the older generation, <laughs> right? <laughs> the older generation, the seasoned generation will say, man, you know, I just don't feel connected here because, you know, there's just not a lot of people like me. And they'll say that to me. But then literally in the same day, I will talk to somebody who's in their 20s and they'll say, Man, Jason, just don't feel connected around here because there's not a lot of people like me. And I say to both of them, good. Because you don't need more of you. Right? You don't need more of you. You actually, hey, you need more of them. And you, over here, you need more of of them. So to the older generation in the house today, we need you. We need you as a part of this thing. We need your wisdom. We need your knowledge, right? To the younger generation here, we need your energy and we need your vibrancy and you're mostly annoying, but we still need you. <laughs> I love you. I sit in the middle. Like, I'm like Switzerland, all right? So... We need the diversity, right? And then all the singles say, man, we just, I need more singles in my life. No, you don't. You don't need more singles in your life. 
you need more marrieds in your life. And married say, like, where are all the married people? All I see is singles at this church. You need singles in your life. We need ages and stages. We need difference in the ages and stages. I know that everything we do here is not necessarily the preference of each age and stage. I get that. I understand that. But here's the problem. When we don't seek to build a body of diversity, we are not building a biblical church. I prayed a prayer to God. This is my prayer. I kid you not. Some of you might not like me for this, but whatever. (laughs) When I came to Utah, I said, God, I will not pastor an all-white church. I will not. I refuse to. I refuse to. I literally told him, I will quit. That's on you. (laughs) Because I can't do it. Why? Because... Jesus said it like this, when you pray, pray like this, God, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And heaven is where every tribe and every tongue gathers together to worship the one who created us all. So here's the deal, if you don't like diversity, you will hate heaven. Now, I don't know what type of worship music is going to be played there. We know that mostly everything barring country. We know that for sure. That is biblical. Everything else for sure. We have to get this in our hearts, church. We can't look the same, we can't act the same, we can't come from the same background, we can't look the same financially and job-wise, we can't look the same racially, we have to be a diverse church. And somewhere along the way, we got tricked into believing that diversity was division. Diversity is not division. That's why Paul writes, one can't say to the other, because I'm not like you, that I'm not a part of this thing. The greatest unity we will ever arrive at as a body is when it looks different. When it is different. When we come from different places and spaces. That's what I want to be a part of. That's the family that I want to be a part of. That is the common unity that I want to share with every single person in this place today. So the first thing that we need to understand about community is community is not seen in same. It is celebrated in die. Diversity. Come on, we shout number two. Number two, the second thing is that community requires vulnerability and trust. Oh, he said it. Oh, now he got personal. <laughs> vulnerability and trust. So Paul goes from design, he shifts his argument from design um, to, to need. Watch what he says. He said, and they are all, uh, and if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts but one body that I cannot say to the hand. Watch what he says, I don't need you. So he moves from this argument of two parts of the body saying we're not alike so we can't be a part of this thing. He shifts the argument and says, now one can't say to the other one, I don't need you. So he's turning the argument over. And he's making sure that we don't become a body that's divided because somewhere along the way we come to this place of belief that we don't need each other. We need each other. I need every single one of you. 
You need every single one of us. That's what the body is. We need each other, but we don't like that. Because in that argument comes vulnerability and trust. And we struggle with vulnerability and trust. Why do we fear this reality? One word, judgment. We don't exercise biblical vulnerability and trust because we are afraid of judgment. I want to I read you one of the most frightening pieces of scripture in the Bible. This is the Bible. It's not my opinion. Watch what, watch what James writes to us. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. What is James saying? He says, open up to each other. Talk to each other. Tell each other what's going on. And that is freaky scary, right? Some of us are breaking out in hives right now thinking about that. It's like, there's no way that I'm telling anybody anything. And one of the greatest reasons that we have a tendency not to want to be vulnerable and open up in trust is because we are afraid of judgment. Because somewhere along the way, we have bought into the idea that it's our job to judge. Right? It's my job to judge. I'm a Christian. And I judge. Right? We've all felt judged before. We've all been in that place before. But I want you to see something. Because the Bible actually articulates something very different to us as to what our job is. I want you to hear this. Again, not my opinion. I'm just reading the Bible. Take it up with Jesus. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, I want you to judge them, tell them how bad of a person they are, hold it against them for as long as possible, because that is the only way a person will ever come to learn who Jesus really is in their life. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong definition. Let's try this again. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. And then he says this, if, if, if Paul wasn't trying to drive it home, he then says, carry one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And here's the problem. One of the greatest reasons that we've lost our potency as a body in this generation is that we've become more concerned with casting stones instead of carrying burdens. So our first port of call is like, hey, that person's going through that, right? And we have a tendency to then look at ourselves and go, well, at least my stuff isn't as big as that stuff. So I'll go ahead and pick up this rock over here and let him know. Woo. I'm going to get on Facebook and be like, hey, Facebook world, praying for anonymous. <laughs> Carry one another's burdens. My kids are weird. <laughs> Here's why. Here's why they're weird, <laughs> mainly because their parents are weird, but that's another, another <laughs> message. So we're getting them to do chores and do things right now. And what I love about Justice and Shiloh is every time we ask them to clean the room or do the dishes, we're doing these things. Like they're starting to do the dishes on their own, clean their rooms on, on their own. They say this. They say, Dad, can we help each other? That's what I'm saying. Can we, can we help each other? 
Because, like, if it was me, like, back in the day, like, Justin and I, mom's like, hey, do the dishes. I'd be like, whose turn is it? Justin's? Good. Peace out. We'll see you later. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> but my kids, they come to each other's rescue. Because somewhere along the way, they've kind of come to this idea that if we help each other, we're going to get to the finish line faster. We're going to get there quicker. We're going to get there better. I want to ask Seth and Justin to pop up on stage really quick because I want to illustrate this. Because I want you to see this. Because every single one of us came into this church this morning, we're carrying some burdens. We've got some stuff going on in life. We've got some issues that we're facing in life. And so what happens is Paul writes this to the Galatians and he says, listen, this is what I want it to look like. Those of us who are more spiritual, you don't have the opportunity to cast stones and throw judgment and anything like that. You know what your job is? Your job is to carry a burden. Guys, I can't walk right now. I've got stuff going on in my life right now. And their job is to carry me until I can stand. And when I stand, I carry someone else. And when they can stand, they carry someone else. The body carries burdens. And so many of us are missing this. And so we're, we're trying to get through life, and most of us can't. Yeah. And we're wondering why we can't. And it has nothing to do with your goodness or your perfection or your ability to obey rules. Many of us can't get through life right now because we're missing the burden-carrying people that are necessary to carry us across the finish line. we got to help each other do the dishes. Thanks, guys. Can you give these guys a hand? And listen, the only way that we carry burdens is we open up about stuff. We've got to talk about what's going on. And I know that's scary. Many of us go, like, well, if we talk about, like, the nitty-gritty of life, like, isn't that going to, like, isn't that going to lead to other things? Like what, healing? <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> right? Interconnectedness. Because last time I checked, bad things breed in the dark, but where there's light, where there's light shed upon it. Past couple weeks, I've had the distinct opportunity to be able to be with a bunch of pastors, and every place I go, we're playing this new game called high-low. High-low. Now put a bunch of pastors at the table and get them to talk about one high in their life and one low in their life. And everybody postures at first. I got a lot of highs. No lows. <laughs> but what I've heard this week, in the past couple weeks, no longer posturing. You know, a couple weeks back, uh, there was a pastor who committed suicide. Took his own life. Many of us have heard it. It's been on national news. Last weekend, we had a uh, person in attendance here who came from that church. And they walked up to me afterwards just crying and thanking God for this place and what the energy and the atmosphere and the, the joy because it's been, she grew up in that church, grew up underneath his leadership. And what this moment has shown, not just the nation, but the church, is that every single one of us is hurting. And if we don't provide places and spaces for people to be open and vulnerable about stuff, we are literally killing each other. But the reason that we fear Vulnerability and trust is because of judgment. What if we stopped judging one another? What if we stopped holding people's pasts over their head? Or more importantly, as a noose around their neck? 
What if we created spaces and places for people to find healing, to walk through processes? That's the type of church that I want to be. Because I don't know about you, but I have parts of my, my world that are hurting and broken. And I need people in my life, and I have them in my life, who I can open up with and be vulnerable. And are, you guys, are you guys hearing what I'm saying this morning? This anatomically correct series is all about the body operating the way it should operate. And so we got to drive this thing. Number three. Come on, everybody say number three. Number three. Community is the product of circles, not rows. Everyone's in a row right now. Many of us don't even know the person next to us. But in circles, we gather together around a common thing, Jesus, and we get to know one another. Community happens in circles and not rows. In other words, faith and community is not just about gathering in something, but around something. This is why we have table groups here. And they are of the utmost importance. And here's the deal. Here's my, here's my task. And here is Pastor Kaisa's task and our staff's task right now is we want to see literally everybody in a table group. Is that a possibility? I don't know, but I'm going to put it out there. I think it is. The question is, is whether we want it or not. Because true care, true community happens in circles, not rows. We have people who are being fed after they have their babies, like just meal trains for days and people who are being visited in the hospital and everything like that. Because here's the reality. In a growing church like this, Pastor Jason can't be everywhere. Our pastors can't be everywhere. That would be a full-time job in and of itself to just go to every hospital visit and everything going on in people's lives. We can't do that. I care about you, right? One of my buddies in the back at our sound booth, right? Drew said this to me. He's like, I think this is a great point we need to say is that I care about you, but I can't personally care for you. We have to have people in our life that can care for each other. So we're going to start asking around here. When we're needing care, when we're needing compassion, when we need all these things, we're saying, what table group are you in? Who's helping address the issues and the wounds? We're going to get involved on bigger levels, but who are you a part of? And for many of us, we say, well, I'm just not connected. Here's the question that I want to ask you. Have you tried? Or have you just sat in a row hoping that someone would connect with you? Got this new app. It's called Marco Polo. Anybody heard of it? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it's stupid. Um, so it's a video app. All of our teams on it. I've got different people that I'm in group with across the United States, other pastors. And seriously, on my Marco Polo, I get like all, all day long from people, like pastor's friends. I'm in this one group, and they're like, hey, just so you know, I'm praying for you guys. This is going on in life right now. I want to, I like, I, I, I'm struggling with this, and we're, we're dealing with this, and we're able to talk. Even Marco Polo, who is in your group? Who is in your life? Who are you connected with? Who are you doing life with? Because if you're just doing life in rows, you're missing out on the power of a circle. We haven't been called just to gather in rows. We've been called to gather in circles. And I want to talk to the dudes in here really quick, all the guys in the house. So many of us are like, <laughs> me no need circle. <laughs> me need me. <laughs> uh, you need a circle. You need a safe place where you can be like, listen, I'm struggling with some stuff. My marriage is in pain right now. I don't know what I'm doing as a dad right now. I'm struggling financially right now. 
I'm drifting into places and spaces that I know I shouldn't be. My addiction's getting the best of me right now. You need circles. And so I'm calling on all the guys in this place this morning to figure out how to make that happen. And one of the greatest ways you can do that is be in a table group. And I'm hoping that all the dudes in this house across this weekend are going to get onto those iPads and sign up for a table group. The problem is, is that there's not very many table groups for guys. So I'm also saying I want to get some guys to step up and lead. And if you struggle on the iPad, have your wife do it, okay? Let's just be honest, I always pass it to Erica. <laughs> but seriously, I want to see our guys connect in a way. What if we, listen, church, this generation needs men who are willing, all right? Our families need us, our workplaces need us, our churches need us, our city needs a contingent of men who are willing to give up everything they are to Jesus by uniting with other men in order to provide a place of strength, camaraderie, accountability, and biblical vulnerability. I'm going to ask the team to come up. And number four, the last one is this. Community is held together by Jesus. It's held together by Jesus. I want to read you something in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. As we get ready to close, it says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. Watch the language then. And this is Paul writing once again. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And what I love about Jesus is he is the great unifier. He was able to take a ragtag group of young men and pull them together from different places and spaces, and he simply said, follow me, and we're gonna change the world. He took 12 unassuming young men and he flipped this world upside down. What would happen if the body all of a sudden got fired up because they realized that Jesus was at the center and he was calling us all together to make a difference that this world actually feels? Why, because we're the body. And when we're together, we are better. It is my personal mission this year to make sure that we go against division. We are not going to divide. We're going to multiple places and spaces this year, but we are not dividing. We are one. We need each other. Get into table groups. Learn to be vulnerable with each other. Don't come in here with a plastic smile. If all hell is breaking loose in your world, be okay to say it. How you doing today? Not good. Really? Something going on? Yeah. I actually don't want to be here today. It took everything in my power to get to church today. Sweet. Me too. Let's worship together. I'll hold your hand up. You hold my hand up. We'll see what God does then. <laughs> That's powerful. We all want to be a part of teams. We all want to be a part of these things that bring continuity and community into our life. Jesus designed it. It's called the church. And many of us don't come from that background. We actually think, well, the church is a place of judgment. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. 
How about we make a decision today to be the connective tissue that is unified in Jesus, brings hope and healing to the world around us, changes a city, impacts the world, makes a difference, and causes us to live life as designed in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. You believe that this morning? We're capable of that.